Well, good evening. It's good to see you out tonight, and thank you all for, for being here this evening to worship our Lord and to study a portion of His Word tonight. It's a, an honor to be here with you in this evening, and if you have your Bibles, I'll encourage you to go ahead and turn over with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be over there in just a few moments, but uh, we'll use the time here to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. There's also an outline in the back if you didn't get one. Looks like this. Uh, encourage you to follow along there as well. I want to take uh, just a quick moment to express my gratitude to uh, each and every one of you, the elders, Roger and Jason, uh, for the opportunity to stand up here. Uh, Roger had, had mentioned uh, how great it is to have young men and, and uh, individuals willing to serve in these capacities, but uh, honestly it requires opportunities and people who, who seek them out. Uh, and so Roger and Jason have been tremendous supporters uh, throughout this process, and I really do appreciate uh, all the support that I've gotten uh, as I now enter my third time uh, up here behind the pulpit, which is uh, exciting. Uh, I told somebody this, we were golfing, uh, a few of us uh, from the congregation on Friday, and I said, you know, I think third time's the charm. It might be my best one yet. And they said, or it's three strikes and you're out. <laughs> so uh, I said, well, we'll find out, I guess, on Sunday. But uh, I appreciate uh, all the support that I've had. The title tonight is Reconnect, and as was mentioned both in the song, uh, or prior to the song, uh, and certainly uh, as Roger was mentioning, it's a topic tonight that I hope will, will touch a lot of you. Um, maybe it is just that third time preaching that I finally am starting to understand uh, a common expression that I've heard many preachers tell me over the years, is that when you don't quite know exactly what to preach on, preach the lesson that you need to hear yourself. And that's where the origins of this uh, particular lesson came from tonight. And I'll, I'll walk you through that and what I mean by that in just a few moments. Uh, but prior to that, I want to tell you a brief story about how I, I came to focus on what you see in your outline, which is a bunch of electrical outlets. You may be wondering to yourself, what does electrical outlets have to do uh, with the Bible? And I'll, I'll try to draw some comparisons or some analogies tonight as to uh, why I've chosen this particular visual to guide us through this evening's uh, discussion. So I was traveling a few months ago to Dubai uh, and if, for work, and if you've never traveled to Dubai, it's quite a journey. Uh, it's about 22 hours over a series of flights, depending on how lucky you get with your flights. Mine was three. Um, it required some layovers, some delays, one uh, sprinting moment through Paris Airport, which was a little uh, concerning. But ultimately, I got there uh, with about an eight-hour time delay. Uh, and so I was pretty exhausted, as you can imagine, once you land there. Um, and it was about 1 a.m. local time there. And the only thing I wanted to do was get to my hotel and go to bed. And so I got to the hotel, got checked in, uh, get uh, ready for bed, and I go to plug my phone into the wall and wouldn't you know it, their outlets are not the same as our outlets. Uh, and it's uh, in those moments where you start to recognize and realize things that you take for granted a lot. And for me, since that moment, I've been kind of thinking about these things that are just in our walls and we all walk by and we use every day. But I'm sure most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about the electricity that we have access to every single day. And so what I'd like to do is kind of highlight where, and where I'm going with this, because those electrical outlets, while they are fairly simple, we can plug anything into them, they'll run for a long period of time, they're not an endless supply of energy. And I think in many ways it mirrors our lives. We, we oftentimes don't realize the limitations of our own beings, the limitations of our own time, and we think about our lives much like we think about the electricity that comes from these walls, that they're an endless supply. 
And the reality is it's quantified, it's limited, and we have to decide what to do with that time that we are given. So let's turn into our, our scriptures here for a moment. I want to draw attention to Isaiah 40, because this is also where I got the idea from for tonight's lesson, was Isaiah 40, uh, particularly in verses 28 through 31. So if you want to follow along with me, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. I'll be reading from New King James. It reads, "'Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall.' But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So here in Isaiah, we're reading about the power of our Lord. We see the power of God, and we know that that power is truly endless. That power is not a power that we pay for on a monthly basis with an electric bill. That is a power that is enduring throughout all time. However, the power we have here on this earthly sense, on this earthly plane in our earthly bodies, is not unlimited. The energy that we have is not unlimited. And so we recognize the need, and you see it visually up here on your screen, to plug in first to God. That is an absolutely essential takeaway from tonight's lesson that I hope all of us recognize, is that we have to remain constantly plugged into God. Even if you unplug something for a moment, I have a Right now, our HVAC system in my office is down, so it's about 90 degrees in my office. It's pretty miserable, but I have a fan, and as long as that fan is running, it's okay. You can stand to be in there. As soon as that fan gets unplugged, you feel it right away, and much like uh, our analogy tonight, as soon as we become unplugged from God, we recognize what that feeling's like, and we feel the, the full effects of being separated from Him. And so as we think about then this, this idea, okay, we have an outlet. We know that there's only so many plugs that you can put into an outlet. Now, gentlemen, I need to speak to us for here for a moment, uh, for just uh, a second here. I think we try to push that uh, as much as we can. At least my wife tells me I try to. I have an extension cord. I have all these things that I've plugged into the walls before. And she says, you know, that's a fire hazard. Uh, we should probably not put so much stuff into the wall there. But we always try to push the boundaries of how much we can get out of our power, how much we can get out of our energy. And some of those things are, are worthwhile to do. So first, we should be thinking about how we plug in beyond God. So, so pulling from God, what else do we want to charge ourselves with? Well, a lot of us spend our time charging ourselves with family, and I think that's a, a great use of our time. It's scripturally supported as well to look at after your family, to look after your children, to look after your spouses, and to care for these individuals, care for your parents and those who you are born into a family with uh, is a good use of our time. Much of us spend our time at work. Uh, statistically, it's one of the places we spend the most amount of time in through our adult lives, is in our workplaces, working on deadlines and projects and in bosses and customers, uh, working with these different people. We also are told to work on our health, to, to maintain our bodies, to treat our bodies as a temple, and, and oftentimes that requires exercise and diet and doctors and medicine. And I'm going kind of quickly here because there's a lot that's getting ready to, to start flooding this screen. Uh, but we also know that many of us have homes or places of residence where we need to maintain those uh, as they are lodging for our families, uh, roofs over our heads. So those require upkeep, those require cleaning, those require maintenance. 
Uh, we know that education is important. So oftentimes, whether it's our own education, staying informed, reading the news, uh, going to classes, um, or, or helping our children stay educated, this can be an important part of our life as well. We might try to fit in a plug in a fellowship, uh, and I hope that we do, uh, both for our congregation and those around us. As I mentioned, uh, being able to golf with several members of this congregation on Friday was truly uplifting for me. It really helped me uh, feel connected and fulfilled in a lot of ways, and I enjoyed uh, getting to know those individuals on a much closer level during that time. We have hobbies. Uh, certainly, uh, things like golf can be a hobby. Uh, sports in general can be hobbies that are healthy for us, keeps us uh, healthy uh, physically as well, uh, things that we can do to have fun. Some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, spend quite a bit of time on our phones, social media. I'm going to come back to that here in just a few moments as it relates quite a bit to what we're plugged into and what we might want to unplug from as we go uh, forward in our lives. Uh, vacations, certainly, or, or planning trips, uh, experiences with our family, with our friends, with uh, people that we are, are close to. Uh, thinking about, again, work and, and how our careers evolve over time, retirements, uh, new jobs. If you're getting tired hearing this already, I'm tired speaking it because it's exhausting thinking about all the things that we balance in our life in addition to God. And I worry sometimes, in fact, the last time I was up here, I preached on another lesson that I needed to hear, which was using Jesus as a mediator, not a moderator. And I think this lesson is a continuation of some of those ideas, because you can quickly see, while this makes, has some organization, at least as it was put into a PowerPoint slide, this is what a lot of us may feel like when we are thinking about our lives. And I think this is an image, at least, that resonates with me. And I need to be honest with you for a moment. When Jason reached out to me about a few months ago, he said, hey, we have some dates coming up. Would you be interested in preaching again? It took me a day or two to respond. It it took me a day or two because I had a lot of chords going around in my life. I have work stuff going on. I have family stuff going on, much like everybody in this room. We have health things in our family. We have all types of, of things, all types of activities none of which are inherently bad by themselves, but run the risk of interfering with that connection, that plug-in that we have with God. And so what I'd like to do tonight is take a look at four quick, brief lessons on how we can disconnect some of the uh, the, the, the mess that, that sometimes our lives become, some of those cords that seem to be a bit extraneous, and reconnect on the plug that matters most, which is our connection our direct connection with God. So these are lessons that as I was thinking about, again, how I wanted to prepare, and after I did tell Jason I do want to do this, I said, well, I want to preach on a topic that I think everybody, at least uh, many people need to hear that, that really focuses on this reconnection. And it never, uh, never ceases to amaze me. Some of you are in IT, uh, in technology. Others have certainly worked with technology for a long time. I happen to work with a lot of folks who are uh, specializing in IT. And if I have a problem, their first piece of advice to me is always what? Inevitably. Have you tried resetting your computer? Have you tried resetting the browser? Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? And I think, really, that's the number one advice? And yet, half the time, it solves half of my problems in doing so, because a lot of times, we do need that reset. And that's what the the lessons tonight are going to look at, is how do we go about doing that? So, 
Point number one, or, or idea number one, to help us on this journey of identifying what are the extra chords and what are the chords that matter most that we need to make sure are plugged in uh, successfully, uh, is to take inventory and to ask difficult questions. To take inventory and to ask difficult questions. And there's a couple of passages in the Bible that I was drawn to over the last several weeks that I think illustrate this point very well. The first one, which is uh, one that, that I have often thought about in many different ways, is the uh, story of Martha and Mary. If you want to follow with me, I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 10. We're going to be looking at Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. And there's a couple ideas related to this that we're going to uh, uh, further here in a moment. But in Luke 10, uh, verses 38 through 42, it's, it states that, Now it happened as they went, and he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I think what Jesus is trying to do here is certainly, he, I, I'm sure, that Jesus appreciates the service that Martha is providing. In fact, we see that, that he, has, he demonstrates that service himself in many ways, particularly when he's serving the bread uh, to the, the 5,000. And yet, he's telling Martha here, you need to take inventory of what's right in front of you. While serving is certainly a valuable thing that we should all do, you have the Son of God here in your house spend time there. Focus there first, and the servitude will come later. And I think, again, we, we need to draw attention to this. He, he's not saying that service, service is bad. In fact, we, we see multiple accounts where service is a good thing. But taking inventory means I need to assess what I'm doing. I need to assess what I have. I need to assess where I'm going. And sometimes I have to ask myself difficult questions to give me the answers that I ultimately need. I suspect shortly after this, Martha had a set down with herself where she looked at and, and thought about, how can I be doing better? And I, I think a lot of times in my own mind, I've been too hard on Martha because I think a lot of us would be Martha if we were fortunate enough to have Jesus in our house for dinner. I think a lot of us would be worried about, did I mow the yard? Did I vacuum the house? Did I sweep everything? Did I, did I put up everything as it needed to be put up? And I'd probably be worried about that myself. And Jesus is saying, take inventory and ask yourself, what's most important here? We see that as well in Luke 21. So you flip over just a few pages with me here to Luke 21. This is a verse that I've spent a lot of time thinking about and researching over the last few weeks. Luke 21, verse 34. Luke 21, in verse 34. It reads, But take heed to yourselves lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. I've been especially interested in looking at those first few words. Take heed to yourself. I've spent some time this week uh, and even uh, several days last week researching this, and, and what does that mean? How do we do that? What did it mean uh, in the first century, uh, and does that mean the same thing today? 
Uh, and so I, some of the, the research that I've uncovered uh, as far as what, can it, what does it mean to take heed of ourselves, uh, well, let's start just with a definition first. To take heed, according to Webster, uh, means to give serious attention, to give serious attention to warnings, advice, realities, or facts or situations on ground and take them into account when acting. It means to be careful and precautious, to take care and ensure that certain things are done or not done to avoid ugly effects or unpleasant results. So I've been thinking, again, a lot about this particular question. What does that mean to take heed? And how am I doing it in my own lives? And what can we be doing to take heed of ourselves? Because again, if we go back and look at the context here, lest your hearts be weighed down. The consequence here is if we don't do this, if we don't take heed, if we don't take inventory to assess our situation, where we're spending our time, where we're focusing our energies, our hearts are at risk of being weighed down. And we can certainly see the consequences of that going forward. And so may I offer a suggestion? May I offer a suggestion? And this might not be a suggestion that's relevant to everyone in the room, depending on your usage of mobile devices. But given the statistics and given that most people have a smartphone, including most people in this room, may I offer you a suggestion that's helped me over the last several months. One thing that uh, if you have an Apple, an iPhone, or even if you have another smartphone, uh, many of the devices now give you usage statistics. And so this is just a, an example of one that I pulled off the internet uh, where you can see a breakdown of how this particular person is using their mobile device. For me, I get an update on this every week. Mine sends it to me, uh, ironically, right after we get out of church. I don't think I set it up that way. On Sunday mornings, I get one at about noon on Sunday mornings. And it tells me how much time you spent per day on your phone this week. And ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you, sometimes that's a sobering reminder of how we spend our time each day. If you see, I spent three hours a day last week on social media. I think we need to take heed of that. I think we need to recognize, as the definition describes here, the warnings of that. Because so oftentimes, I hear people tell me, and this is mostly in a, a work capacity, I just don't have the time to do this, fill in the blank. They don't have the time. For me, I'm a college professor. Nobody has the time to do the readings. Nobody, right? Nobody ever has the time to do the readings that I assign them. And so one of the things I'm always interested in is what are some of the, the statistics of your life? And, and, and take a look at that and take heed to those concerns uh, because I imagine, especially for those of us who say, you know, I really want to read my Bible more. I just don't have the time this week. Well, how did we spend our time this week? And thinking about where we could be spending our time is something that is part of taking inventory and asking the difficult questions. So the second piece of advice that I've been able to uh, acquire from the Bible related to this topic is to get comfortable saying no. To get comfortable saying no and without shame. And ladies and gentlemen, let me be the first to put my hand up on this and say I am guilty as charged of having a hard time saying no, especially to professional obligations. Zach, we really need you to come to this meeting and talk to these people. Zach, we really need you to uh, show up to this event and, and shake some hands. Zach, we really need you. Yes, 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 sure. I can do it. I can do it. And eventually it takes its toll. And I imagine I'm not the only one who has that concern. In fact, I believe this is part of the reason why in Matthew 5 we read, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
For whatever is more than this, for, or more than these, is from the evil one. I got to tell you, this one stopped me this week uh, in my research, and as I was thinking about this, I'm not, I wasn't sure uh, how to interpret it, and maybe there are others in the room who can help me interpret it better, but I think one of the things that, that is being said here, and one of the things that we should be taking away from this is that so oftentimes, when we say no to things, things that are out in the world, things that we get invited to, or things that we could be uh, participating in, I think we feel compelled and or ashamed to say yes or, or, or into saying yes. And so when we say no, we often feel the reason to have excuses or to feel guilty. And I think what's really being communicated here is that those are, are we learned this morning that the, the devil is a crafty one. I think this is one of those crafty attempts at making us think, maybe you should say yes. Maybe you should, if you're feeling guilty, don't you want to say yes instead? And I think that's something that we need to be very cognizant of, because saying no is something that is scripturally supported, that we should be doing in our lives, both to temptation, but even things that can take us away from God that are not inherently sinful, but pull us in our time and our energy, which is limited in the supply that we have. We also, I think the best example of this comes to us from Nehemiah. In fact, I'd encourage you, and we'll have to flip a few pages here from Matthew to Nehemiah, but encourage you to join me there uh, in Nehemiah 6. And I'll give you all a moment here just to turn back to Nehemiah 6. I think it's the most profound example that I can find, one of the most profound examples of uh, somebody saying no and standing to that commitment. And I was talking to Jason about this just last week, and, and he says, uh, and, and since we've discussed it, I have been uh, equally um, uplifted by this. He told me this is one of the, the verses for him when, when he's asked to do things or he's getting pulled in a lot of directions that reassures him sometimes it's okay. You just need to say no, and you need to know that you're doing good work instead of, of whatever it is that you're being asked to participate in. And so Nehemiah 6, verses 3 and 4, it says, So I sent messengers to them. So Nehemiah's working on the rebuild at this time. He said, So I, am, I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work. So I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. That last uh, portion of that verse there uh, has resonated with me as well the last few weeks because one no is not always enough. Sometimes people are, are quite persistent. Uh, my inbox, my emails, they always just request after request. And sometimes I, I find myself sending the same emails. Uh, no, or, or not this time, or not this. And uh, I have noticed this to be particularly true in, in 2022, that sometimes persistence in our, our defense of no is necessary uh, in, in terms of how we overcome or, or do so without shame when we are communicating that response. The third thing, and, and i got to put up my other hand on this one because it's a, an idea that I have taken for granted for t far too long, is to remember the importance and the value of rest. To remember the importance and the value of rest and pausing, and using that time to reflect. I don't know about you, but I think this world moves very, very fast, especially some days. 
there's always something to be listening to. There's always something to be watching. There's always something to be doing. And something that I've tried to do recently, uh, especially since starting to work on this, is to have time to pause and reflect. And here's just one easy way that I've done this. I've dro- when on my drive homes, instead of listening to the next business podcast that I'm supposed to listen to, sometimes I just turn my radio off, and for 20 minutes, I'm in complete silence. Or better yet, sometimes I'm in complete conversation with God. And, and that's a, a powerful, powerful moment for me to recalibrate, to reset. And it's something that I think reflects the importance of rest that was designed from the very beginning. So going all the way back to Genesis, we just spent some time in Genesis 3 this morning and just a few moments ago. If you're willing, turn back with me to Genesis. In Genesis 2, this is another verse that has always resonated with me, that stood with me for a long time, and I'll explain why here in a moment. But in Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3, we read, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. The thing that has always stood out to me about this, and the thing that I've always both marveled at and always had questions about, why did God rest? Why did God rest on the seventh day? Because I think every one of us knows he didn't need the rest. Right? It wasn't because he needed a spa day. He wasn't tired. He didn't run out of energy. So why did he do it? Why did he set aside a day and sanctify it, as we read here in Genesis 2, for rest? Well, my theory and, and what I can tell and what I've seen in some other scriptures that align with this and what we see in both the Sabbath and some of the, the verses that come out of the New Testament is that God was modeling the importance of rest. He knew that this would be an example for all mankind for generations, millennium, and century to come, that rest was an important thing that we needed, especially as Christians. We needed an opportunity to separate ourselves from the busyness of this world. And so he modeled the importance of rest, not for his benefit, but for our own. And we see that reinforced by his son, Jesus. And so as we look ahead, both at Hebrews 4, uh, and then we'll see a, a reference specifically where Jesus uh, uh, reinforced this as well. But in Hebrews 4, 8 and 11, we see a further description about this. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us be therefore diligent to enter that rest. Let anyone falling according to the same example of disobedience. Now this is also talking about the rest that is to come when we inherit that eternal life, which is a a promised rest that I know uh, myself and so many of us are looking forward to, that the strains and the tires and the wearies of the world are fading away. But I believe this is also speaking to the importance of rest in our lives here on this earth. In fact, we see that reinforced by Jesus in Mark 6. Looking over at Mark 6, and Jesus had multiple uh, references, multiple examples in which he himself would separate. He would go up on a mountainside and pray to God, or he would leave the the crowds uh, and, and clear his mind. But in Mark 6 in particular, I like this one because he's specifically talking to the apostles. 
And if you're familiar with the lead-in to Mark 6, you know that they've just gotten back from preaching. They've just been back from, from going across the, the region. And, they're, they're say, and that's where we pick up here in, in verses 30, so I'll, I'll just read it there. Uh, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. I don't know about you, but I've skipped a few meals before uh, over the last several months and years as uh, it just was an opportunity to eat. I'd skip a lunch, or at times uh, I would even skip dinner with the family. But I'm proud to say, and I hope that we all commit to, to setting aside time to get back with the people who we are closest to and that we love, and having that time built into our lives. Because we can see here, some of them were not even taking time to eat, as was uh, uh, read in Mark 6. But Jesus is specifically saying, come set aside time by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. He knew exactly what they needed, and I don't think this was specific just to the apostles. I think he knew exactly what we needed as well in 2022 in addition to that. And so Jesus follows the advice of his father. He follows the model that his father left behind when he rests on the seventh day. And we see then that he taught the apostles and by extension us to do the same. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because I recognize these are three strategies, three ideas that are hopefully helpful to each and every one of us when we think about what else to take on. Sometimes this is work, but sometimes this is a variety of other things. I know we're just now entering a point in our family's life where we're starting to get into sports. And sometimes you have to make the difficult decisions about what leagues will your kids play in? How often will you let them play sports? And those are, are questions sometimes that are not very, uh, that, that seem easy on the surface until you realize that all of their friends are playing sports. And they're not going to be able to play because that, that league meets on Sundays and you don't want your kid missing church. These are difficult questions, difficult conversations that we have to have with our family. And I believe these three things will help us to do so. But ultimately, there are moments in our lives where the fourth idea becomes the most important and the ultimate bottom line. And that is to prioritize God above all else. When going back to this outlet, I, I originally shown a, a standard outlet that you see on both sides of me here, very small, but hopefully you, can, you know what they look like. One at the top, one at the bottom, and I intentionally refer to Jesus as the top outlet and God as the top outlet. Because without them, and we're going to read some scriptures to support this, the rest of these ideas are, are, are pointless. Right? Because really what we have uh, is we are attempting a, a, an earthly time management schedule, and that's not all that helpful uh, for us, particularly not toward our, our souls and our salvation. And so the fourth is not the, the last. It's by far the most important, but it's the one that is undercurring and underpinning all of them. So where does this come from, and why do I include it here when thinking about how we disconnect and reconnect to God? Well, I want to draw your attention. We'll be in Matthew uh, twice here in just a few moments, but we'll start with Matthew 6. Looking at Matthew 6, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. I said this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I meant it. And you may be asking yourself, well, there's, there's more uplifting verses, Zach, or there's more inspiring verses. True. But I think this is one of the most grounded verses, one of the most practical verses, and still one of the most uplifting verses to me. And I want to briefly tell you why. We see a couple things in this passage here. One, we are told not to worry about things that shall we eat, shall we drink, shall we wear. He's speaking of material things. He's speaking of here the, the, the things that we need in our lives to sustain our life, but it is not a spiritual need, right? The food, the water, the shelter, the clothing. And I want you to notice, though, what he says, uh, because it's not a throwaway sentence that's just sandwiched in between here. It says, for your heavenly Father knows, he knows that you need all these things. He recognizes that. He's not saying you're wrong for having to think about what you're going to eat tomorrow. He's not thinking you're wrong about how you're going to pay your mortgage. He's saying, I know you need those things. But he's saying, here's how you get those things. You seek first, top outlet. You plug in first to me. Let me, God, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, be the one to guide you. And he will add all these things onto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. We see that also um, here in uh, Colossians 3. Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above which Christ, where Christ is, setting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And skipping back to Matthew here for just a moment, uh, just to reiterate and reinforce this point, Matthew 13, just a few pages from where we just were, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. I want to illustrate or emphasize that. All that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is another one of those verses that, that really reiterates if we are not connected and plugged in to God, even if we have all the other plug-ins working and performing functionally and they're working great, if that main plug-in isn't the one that's providing the power and the energy and the, the life to our, our existence, then we need to form and focus on reconnection. Because when you think about a standard outlet, I think we oftentimes are drawn to its simplicity. We're drawn to the fact that it has given us so much convenience in our lives. I don't even think about here when I'm in the United States, when I'm at my home, every night I just go and actually we're, we're so convenient, I don't even have to plug my phone in. I just set it down on a, a charging pad now. Right? This is where we're at in terms of conveniences. But the reality is it's that power that allows me to use that device the next day. And it's the power of God 
that allows us to go out tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and live the lives that he wants us to live. I actually, when I was, I met with Jason for lunch uh, a week or two ago about this, I said, I'm struggling because I don't know if this is a lesson for Sunday. I think it's a lesson more so for Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And he said, no, those are, those are usually the best types of lessons for Sunday. Because I think we have to be a, a, aware of where we're drawing our energy and how much we can draw and spend in the world that we are inhabiting today. So I hope those thoughts are helpful. A few ideas that uh, have certainly helped me over the last few weeks to think about how I prioritize things, to think about how I say no to things, to think about the inventory that I'm taking and ask myself the difficult questions that I know I need to be asking myself. To think about the different ways in which we are um, engaging God and doing the things that he is asking us to do. So I'll leave you with this, and it's a, a, another, it's a story, a briefer story of reconnection that um, recently, uh, in the last several months, continues to weigh on my mind. So we were at the happiest place on earth, and I put that in air quotes, that's the, the, the slogan of Disney World. Uh, this was back in the spring uh, of this year, about five months ago, four months ago. And we were with our family of four, my wife and I, um, our two boys, and uh, we were walking out of our, uh, we, we ate dinner um, at the hotel, and uh, from where we ate dinner to the hotel lobby was about the distance from these two doors. So we were walking out of the cafe. In between of that cafe and the hotel lobby was a gift store. So this whole area would be like a gift store. And uh, as we're walking out through the gift store, out to the lobby to head back to our room, we were, my wife and I were talking. Uh, I'm holding our youngest, and we're talking about uh, the next day. So we're going to a different park, and I said, i got to go talk to the concierge. i got to figure out if our tickets are going to work. I'm kind of wrapped in my mind is on that. And she's talking to me about something that she needs me to ask about, and we're walking, and we're walking, and as we get to that lobby, I, I look down, and the, the total walk is maybe 10 to 15 seconds from that door to the X. When I got to that door, when I got to the lobby, we looked down, and our oldest was gone, just gone, couldn't find him. The reassuring voice dad voice in my mind said, he's in the gift store. You were in here yesterday. He, there's a toy section. He's going to go look at the toys. So I immediately run back and look at the toy section, and he's not there. And that was the moment where true, true fear just overcame me. It overcame my body. It overcame my mind. And my wife and I immediately start to, to fan out. We start to spread out and look for our, our son. And she goes back to look into the, the restaurant that we were in, assuming that maybe he just turned around and went back there. Maybe he forgot something. I went out to the hotel because we were already in the lobby and there's an arcade down this way. There's a pool. Something could have caught his eye and drew him away that way. So I'm searching there. I believe as objectively as I can measure the time I believe the entire time in which I did not know where my son was was about six to seven minutes long. And I am not attempting to use hyperbole when I say I believe it was the longest six to seven minutes of my life. I was frantic. I'm searching high and low. I'm kicking down. I, I, 
I marched into the men's room. I'm banging on doors. I, I am doing everything I can to try to find my son. And he had made his way back into the restaurant. He had found his, uh, a family that he was talking to. He did get distracted by a toy, but quickly realized his mistake and tried to find his parents. And unfortunately, we did not see him in that time frame. And so we found him. My wife found him. But I cannot describe to you the emotions of what it was like to reconnect with him, even after seven minutes. I held him harder than I've ever held him. I, I cried. I, I just told him I loved him. And I wonder if I did that as a father who tries his best, but is very much flawed, limited, human, if that father does that for his child, what will the Father of the universe, our Father in heaven, do? when we get reconnected with him. What is that moment going to be like? What is that embrace going to be like? I think it's going to be far greater than anything any of us have ever experienced on this earth. And so if you are here tonight and you haven't had that opportunity to connect with the Father, to connect with the God who created you through his son Jesus, through baptism, through confession of sins, to be immersed in those waters, and to be raised as part of his family. This is an opportunity to do that. If you're part of that family, if you're part of that connection with God through Jesus, but you have fallen away, that connection has been severed, that, that plug has been shaken just enough where you are no longer connected to the Father, this is an opportunity to replug, to re-engage with the Lord, our, our Father in heaven. If we can do anything to help you, let it be known as we stand and as we sing. Yeah.